Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes 7. I don't know if Hemi was here Wednesday before last, but I couldn't remember where I left off, so I'm going to start over. No, not really. Uh, but we're going to try to cover most of the chapter. Chapter 7 is a great chapter of Ecclesiastes where the sun begins to come up in Brother uh, Solomon's mind, and he sees the value of wisdom and seeing things beyond uh, under the sun and seeing things eternally. And uh, by the way, if anybody knows uh, of a, where a good use oven is, I was visiting Miss uh, Hazel, and she has a burden to get one for somebody that needs a stove, an oven. So uh, we don't want a piece of junk, and something that will blow up and burn the house up. We just need something to burn the toast up. Amen. So uh, uh, if y'all have one, let me know afterwards. If not, we'll buy her one. But I thought maybe somebody would have, because, you know, stoves are a dime a dozen. Some people have three or four, like cars. Amen. So uh, if you have an extra one, let me know after the service. And we uh, got a volunteer for the new converts course. I'm real glad about that. Dr. Smith is going to teach it. That's Dr. Jeremy Smith. And, but he needs a uh, co-teacher because he's going to be gone a lot preaching on the road, he hopes. And uh, we, want to, we want to make sure that that keeps on clicking. So uh, if anybody would like to work as a team with Dr. Smith, he's got to earn doctorate. So I think he's qualified to teach these new converts. That would be great. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and uh, I want you to notice in this chapter, wisdom is referenced to 12 times, but there's another word that's referenced that describes wisdom, and that's better, better. You know, it's better for you to look at things through God's eyes than to look at it through your eyes. Then it's better for you to react as God would react, or you might overreact. Wisdom clarifies your priorities, stabilizes your heart and sustains your pace in living. Wisdom is simply God's perspective. It's God's view. It's a combination of three things. Knowledge, knowing what is true. Insight, seeing how truth impacts your circumstances. And then understanding, putting truth and insight into action. So a lot of people have a lot of knowledge, but they don't have any insight. They have a lot of insight, but they don't have a lot of understanding. You put all three of those together, you got wisdom. Knowledge, insight, understanding is what leads to the breakthrough uh, in your decisions. And folks, if there's ever a time in this world that you need wisdom, it's today. I've never seen such a diverse, wicked politics in my life. I mean, friend, listen, anytime anybody says it's all right to kill a baby, that is sin, and that is wicked, and that is ungodly, but we're going to vote for them because we're some party members. You need to get your heart right with God if you're going to vote for somebody, some baby to be killed. Somebody gave you a chance to live, and so we ought to protect the unborn. Say amen. But the, the world's crazy. You know, they want to have their own little standards, and they want to vote that way. God help us. And, folks, I can't believe candidates are running on that kind of uh, campaign. We got uh, voter guides out in the hallway, and uh, we don't tell you who to vote for, but I want to tell you something. If you'll look and see what they're against and what they're for, I think God will make your mind up. But wisdom is God's good sense. That's what it is. It's God's good sense. Wisdom is simply what would make perfect sense if you were God. Amen? And you're not God. Or if it happened to ha you happen to have access to God's mind. And by the way, you do have access to God's mind. Here it is. Amen? The Word of God. And folks, listen, we need to get a hold of God's mind. That's why you ought to memorize it. I believe you ought to read a proverb every day of your life. That's why there's 31... Uh, Proverbs, a wise man yields to God's wisdom as if saying, God, you know best. 
Amen? You know best. And how many believe that God knows best? Amen. And if you don't believe that, then you're in a mess. Amen? Because you think you know best. And folks, I want to tell you something. It might seem right in the eyes of man, or it might feel right, but if it's not God's Word, it's not right. So we don't need to go by feelings. Um, and we need to have a clearer, longer lens. Uh, and we'll look at things different. We'll have better conclusions. Amen? I had a man walk in my office that, uh, today that quit our church and hadn't been here in years. And his life is falling apart. His marriage is falling apart. And he's just at the end of himself. And I said, buddy, you're at a good point. Brokenness leads to revival. And before there's fullness, there must be brokenness. And folks, I'm glad he had an a, a inclination to come back to his church and his pastor and ask for wisdom. And I gave him the Word of God. And I said, only God can handle this. It's a mess. It's heartache. It's heartbreak. Um, wisdom is the courage to face reality and respond appropriately. Amen. So I want to give you a few things about wisdom, and I'll close with that last slide, Brother Joel or Brother Cody or whoever's back there. Um, but we ought to value wisdom. And I've already went over this, but I'm going to preach and teach, so stand in honor of the Word of God the whole time, okay? Okay, come on, stand up. We'll read a couple of verses, amen? But I mean, really, you need to stand the whole message. But I know you won't. And so I'll stand, you see it. But I want you to look at verse 1, and we'll just read verse 1 through 8, and then I'll try to make the rest of the... Uh, chapter, but I'm in no hurry. I plan on being here every Wednesday. I hope you do. It says, A good name is better than precious ointment. And boy, ointment was precious in those days. And the day of death than the day of one's birth. Meditate on that just a minute. It is better to go to the house of mourning, that's the funeral home, than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to heart. If I do your funeral, that'll probably be your invitation at your funeral. Aren't y'all glad y'all came tonight to think about that? Amen. But it says, sorrow is better than laughter. Now that's diverse from the world's philosophy. And by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. Would you underline those last three, four words, five words? The heart is made better. That is the key to this chapter. The heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fool is in the house of myrrh. Just eat, drink, and be merry, and don't worry about a thing. It is better to hear the rebuke, here it is now, of the wise than for a man to hear the songs of fools. For as a crackling of the thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools, this also is vanity. Surely oppression maketh the wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth his heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patience in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful chapter. God, may we grasp the things that are eternal. And may we see through your eyes. May we see the end of sin. May we see, uh, Lord, the wisdom of the scriptures. May we, dear God, yield to the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of wisdom. And may we, dear God, make decisions that would honor and glorify you in our lives. God, there's so many people that wish they'd listen to God, listen to their parents, had the blessings on, their, on the marriage even, and now there's destruction and heartache and pain and agony. 
God, if they'd only listen. God, we thank you for folks that's gathered this afternoon to listen to the Word of God. And may you give us wisdom beyond our years. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to see, first of all, and I want to get to the last part of uh, the message, so I'm going to review real quick. Verse 1 through 8 uh, is grasp the better things of life. You know, um, don't worry uh, and long for the day that you have no problems because you'll always have problems. But folks, wisdom is like an inheritance. It's a great value. You know the truth about righteousness. You know the truth about wickedness. You know the truth about sin. That's wisdom. It's, um, it's grasping the better things of life. Dying with a good name is better than being born into prosperity. Believers leave this earth and enter directly into the presence of God. That's better. Uh, the presence of God. The world thinks that death is some horrible experience and it's the end. No, it's the beginning. If we look at it through God's eyes, it's the beginning. It's really the beginning. And so why does people foolishly live for the 70 or 80 or 90 years, I hope we have 100, some of you, because uh, you already passed 70 and 80. Uh, Brother um, Randy had a birthday yesterday, he's already passed it. But anyway, um, uh, why, why do we live for those few years if we live to be 100, and we don't live for eternity? And we worry and complain and fret and whine and get all upset and out of sin. Uh, you know, we need to lighten up. I'm not talking about sin, but I'm, I'm talking about stop worrying and be holy, and thus you'll be happy. But there's a lot of people that are going to an early grave, killing themselves through stress. I sat next to a doctor yesterday, last night, and I said, uh, I know that uh, God has used you to save many lives. He said, well, I'm a radi radiologist. and read, read. I said, well, that's good. Yeah, still, you saved a lot of lives. You've diagnosed things. But folks, I want to tell you something. Only God can give you life. And only God can make life worth living. And, I, and folks, going to a funeral is better than going to a festival, verse 2, because death in, in er, is every person's destiny, and death is a matter to take serious, but folks, it's the dash between the dates on the tombstone that counts. It's what you did from the time you was born to the time you died, amen? That's the most important part of the tombstone is the dash. I've been working on mine, not that I feel bad or anything, but I, you know, I wanted to have, you know, uh, something on my tombstone that would get people to smile. And I thought about saying on the, my tombstone, I told you I was sick, but uh, that wouldn't go over good, amen. But anyway, um, and there's some very historical tombstones. You'll go to these old cemeteries, I mean, some great things. Uh, I saw Brother Curtis Hudson's uh, tombstone. It had the whole plan of salvation written on it. That's great. You can't even look at his tombstone without getting under conviction if you're lost, amen. And I don't, uh, not many lost people go through a cemetery. They're su too superstitious. But uh, sorrow brings benefits to our lives better than laughter. How many times have you been through something that's got your attention? And did you grow more during that time as you responded to God or during the times of mirth and happiness and joy? Folks, I want to tell you something. God has a way of making our heart better. It's not making us feel better. That's the world's philosophy. But it's making our heart better. So the key phrase in this whole chapter about wisdom is, whatever it takes, Lord, for my heart to be made better, for my heart to be like your heart. And folks, a heart means your mind, will, and emotions, not just your pump that's wearing out and murmuring and stuttering and, and uh, one day going to quit suddenly. Well, y'all are all optimistic, amen? You know, um, sorrow 
refines the soul. Look at verse 3. It says, Sorrow is better than laughter, and by, and by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. I'm going to tell you what wisdom is. James chapter 1, verse 5. It's not wasting your trouble. It's asking God for wisdom during trouble. Not wisdom why, but wisdom why not, and what are you trying to tell me? God has a way of getting our attention. That's why I tell new converts, and they need to hear this lesson, uh, Brother Jeremy, that uh, you don't get away with sin if you're really saved. And if you do get away from sin, you might be illegitimate. Stronger word in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 8. You might have never been born again. And so, folks, we need to realize we can't get away with sin but folks, it's not all troubles because of sin. All trouble is to get you more like the Savior. That's wisdom. Folks, when something happens, you don't need to just claim Romans 8, 28 as some magic wand and some priest in a booth. It is a truth that will set you free. That all things work together for the good of them that are called according to the purpose and that love God. I was counseling today and I said, I want to tell you something. Here's the requirement. You need to start loving God and you need to start yielding to the call in your life to be a good Christian. And then all this junk will work together. Amen? All this heartache, all this brokenness. So sorrow refines the soul. Wise persons think about death and mourn, but a fool thinks only of the pleasures of here and now. They're, they're always trying to figure out a way to be happier. And they never catch it. They want to be significant. They want to have security. The greatest need in a woman's life is security. The greatest need in a man's life is significance. And they look to their mate for that and drain them, actually sap them. That's why you don't need to be married if, uh, marrying if you're insecure. You need to get some security in the Lord, and you need to get some significance because your mate's never going to give you that totally. I don't think you ought to take away from it, and I think you ought to be a good edifier. But the key phrase is the heart is made better. It's not what makes us feel better, but it's what it, that makes us better. It's not what makes us feel better, but what makes us better. You ought to write that down. It's what makes us better. I'll tell you what makes us better. Never, never react in the flesh. Always respond and live wisely. You ought to anticipate correction. Look at verse 5. It says it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for the man to hear the songs of a fool. You know what the songs of a fool are? A man that don't live for God and tries to tell you how to have happiness. Like those country artists that are hooked on liquor and has five wives and can't keep the sixth. Amen. His horse has done died and he's weeping by the bar saying, I've lost my joy. Whining songs, you know, oh, how, why me, Lord? You know, good night. Whino songs is what I call them, whino. And you know, listen to that stuff, and you get all down and out and depressed because the whole world's falling apart because the horse rode off into the sunset without you. I'll tell you what's bad is you're smoking camels and dying of cancer. That's what it is, amen. Oh, friend, listen. This philosophy of the world, and here's a fool song. This rock and roll, take drugs, be disrespectful, uh, have fornication before marriage, that's a fool song. And all these teenagers are being brainwashed by it. That's right. You, you say, I don't like that. Well, I don't like what it's doing to your kids either. So take the posters off the wall of those idiots and put some, put some scriptures on the wall. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you something. They're fools. Scriptural 
fool. Says, call no man fool. I'm not calling him fool. God's calling him a fool. It's a fool to say there is no God. Amen. And they say there is no God. And so they spew their philosophy of eat, drink, and be merry. That is wicked. That is wicked. And you say, well, the teenagers got to express themselves and they got to listen to that junk. No, they don't. Now, if you're a parent, you ought to tell them they can't listen to it. Amen? Uh, listen, garbage in, garbage out. That's wisdom. I want to tell you something. That stuff causes rebellion. And rebellion is a foothold of the devil. The Bible says it's a sin of witchcraft. A person gets a rebellious spirit, he gets full of demons. So anticipate correction, accept correction, appreciate correction, and apply correction. There it is. Thank you, brother. You stay in what rhythm. I mean, that'll set you free right there. Living wisely includes anticipate correction. You know what's wise? Father knows where I'm at. That's, that's the fear of God. And I can't get away with sin. I mean, isn't it amazing that people go out of town think they can get away with sin? People get away from their parents. They can get away with sin. You cannot get away with sin. Sin will always reap a harvest. You better pray for crop failure. Accepting correction, appreciating correction, applying correction. And folks, I want to tell you something. You need to thank God for constructive criticism in the properly given. And that's preaching. At the right spirit, with the right motive. It's a beautiful thing. Look at Proverbs 27, please. Verse 5 and 6. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, next door. Proverbs 27, verse 5 and 6. You know what I love about these studies? I can quit where I want to and take up where I am next week. If I skip a week, I forget where I'm at. Amen. Should listen to the broadcast. But look at uh, Proverbs 27, verse 5 and 6. You with me? Open rebuke is better than secret love. Listen now. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I want to say this, friend. You can't go around rebuking everybody. But a friend can rebuke a friend. My wife has the permission to rebuke me. And she does it sometimes. And I can't take it. No, I, I can take it. Amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. That's because she's my friend. And she's not trying to hurt me. She's trying to help me. And so I want to tell you something. Any husband that can't take a rebuke from a godly, loving, submissive wife you're foolish because she's looking out for you. She loves you. She's not trying to uh, push you down or correct you or usurp authority over me. No, she's just saying, hey, hon, uh, you know, that's not the right spirit. Rebuke is more profitable because laughter will quickly pass like burning thorns. Look at verse 6. For the crackling of the thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool. This is also vanity. Just a lot of noise, crackling. Pleasure is meaningless and short-lived. That's what it's saying. It's just like a, a dry bramble under a, a, in a fire. It makes a lot of noise and it brings heat for, for a while, but it's just crackling of thorns. It's gone. And then I see in, uh, another thing in verse 8, that we ought to finish or achieve goals in a better, uh, is better than beginning. We ought to finish right. Finishing, achieving goals is better than beginning. And just have no goal. You ought to have a goal. You ought to have a purpose in your heart. We got a goalless society coming up. You know, whatever will be, will be. And just nonchalant, callous, casual junk. 
Folks, there ought to be a drive in people's life. And that drive ought to be to glorify God. Look at verse 8. It says, Better is the end of the thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in the spirit. The thing that uh, really matters requires commitment and determination and discipline. Uh, my favorite verse that um, God gave me in my life verse is Acts 20, 24. Acts 20, 24. I, uh, that's, my, that's my life verse. That's my ministry verse. It's what God gave me uh, over the years, and I'm glad He did. I was sitting at a table, and uh, all these doctors and judges and lawyers, and I figured I need to win some of them, Lord, so I went. And uh, I handed out gospel tract to every one of them and didn't, didn't flinch. And they all said, where do you pastor? I said, Whitfield Baptist Church. They said, how long you been there? I said, 40 years. And they all dropped their, what was it? Pet, uh, I don't know what it was. Little bitty chicken. Uh, almost out of, off their Ford. Like, what? 40, 40 years? Like, what in the world? I said, it's a very patient congregation. Amen. But I love it. And I love Dalton. I love being here. I'm glad to hear the good report that we're so prosperous as a community. Um, you said, I wish I'd get in on it. And um, folks, I want to tell you something. Acts 20, 24 is the reason I'm still here. And it's the reason you're still here because the Bible says none of these things move me. What things? Everything. The devil puts everything in, his life, in your life to move you. He wants to get you off course. He wants you to drop your goals. He wants you to get diverted and detoured and perverted and have the things of the world and live for entertainment and live for joy and live for money and live for your feelings. That's all mundane. It's all passing away. Better go to the house of mourning than it is the house of feasting. For this is the end of all men. Living shall lay it to heart. But look at this. None of these things move me neither count my life dear unto myself. So that's a problem. Everybody has to have their way because they're on the throne. So that I might finish my course with joy. Now listen to this. What course? And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. What ministry? To testify the gospel of the grace of God. Folks, you can finish if you got a goal. Most people finish don't even know what they accomplished. The Lord said, I must finish the work that God has called me to do. While it's now, while it's day, the night soon cometh, and no man worketh. Number, uh, whatever, a patient spirit is better than a prideful spirit. Look at that, verse 8. It says, and a patient spirit is better than a than the proud in spirit. Remember the subject, grasp the things that are better in life. Solomon addressed six specific areas that can help us guard against mediocrity. And these areas do not deal with right versus wrong or obedience versus rebellion. They have to do with the high road, the better road, choosing the better of the two things. By heeding Solomon's wise counsel, uh, we can find ourselves better prepared to face the judgment seat of Christ. Um, we leave a legacy for our children. You know, that, that's a sad thing that a lot of parents are dropping the ball and wondering what's wrong with little Johnny. Well, they hadn't seen an example. Folks, we, we live by example. Leaders are example setters. And leaders are good followers. If you can't submit daddy to God, you're not a good leader. We're, we're, we're students. We're learning and ever learning. 
to be more like Jesus. If we think we've arrived where we don't need church, and we don't need the Bible, and we don't need separation, we don't need to be uh, away from the world, we need the world, uh, your children will follow suit to the excess. To the excess. We need to strive for and keep a good name and a good reputation. Verse 1. A good name is better than a precious ornament. We need to live with eternity in view. The day of one's death is better than one's birth. But you have eternal values. What really count? Let me just ask you this question. What's really going to count 10,000 years from now? How much money you made? How you felt? How many games your team won? I get all this sports fanatic. Um, how everybody thought, you, how, what kind of reputation you had in Dalton, Georgia? I, mean, I, I, I met a lot of big shots last night. Those big shots need to be saved. That's the only reason I was there. Only reason. Told my wife, I said, I'm going to feel very uncomfortable, very out of place, but if God's going to pay for the meal and I'm going, and I, I'm going to be there, I'm going to witness. And I'm going to tell people it's Jesus that counts. And I said, we got to go. She don't, like, she don't like those fancy places. She likes down-to-earth people like y'all. Was that a cut? No, that was a compliment. But I want to tell you something, friend. Listen to this now. No matter how much you think you have and how popular you are and how big shots you think you are, you need Jesus. And God help us to realize we're all sinners falling short of the glory of God. And if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have a Mercedes in the driveway. Amen. Or a Volkswagen that cranked. Hallelujah. We need to live with eternity in view. Number three, we need to take life seriously with a sense of urgency. We take life seriously with a sense of urgency. And then we need to be approachable, humble, and willing to accept criticism. That's hard, isn't it? And I want to tell you something, friend. You need to approach people in the right spirit. Sometimes I have too much preaching me when I want to correct my wife. And, uh, Connie, you need to get right with God. That don't go over good. Amen. You don't win suck around her, praise God. You better, you know, say, hey, honey, uh, what, what do you think we ought to do here? You know, uh, have a little tack. Have a little love. Amen? Uh, have a little timing. Before you go to bed, it's not the time to bring up something's wrong in her life. One time I went to this crazy seminar and they said, what you need to do is find out all your blind spots and ask your wife before you go to bed everything that she thinks is wrong in your life. Well, I got up the nerve about a quarter to 12 to do it. Praise God, I didn't sleep a wink after that. Amen? <laughs> she had a long list. No, not really. Good night, that guy. He ain't even in the ministry now, and he never, he didn't make it. Uh, he, he, asked, he, didn't, he never got married either. I don't know what he was trying to tell me how to be married. But listen, we need to finish everything we start and finish well for the glory of God. Amen? You know, folks, you can blow it by not finishing right. Just get mad and quit tonight. You'll finish wrong. Just go back into sin. You'll finish wrong. You'll regret every day of it. I want to tell you something, friends. Start right, remain right, be right, and that takes wisdom. Seeing the end of sin. If we could only get our children to see that we're not Gestapo Marine sergeants when we say, no, we know the end of sin. And we're trying to advise them and help them and correct them and draw the line. 
Oh, no, i got to be my, their best friend. And they'll turn out to be spoiled brats. What they need is a best parent. Now, be friendly while you do it, and they ought to be your best friend, but, folks, that's not your goal. Your goal is to be a good parent. So we need to finish everything we start and finish it well for the glory of God. We need to be patient, not prideful in our spirit. You know, there's some things we just need to pray about. No, no excuse me. Everything we need to pray about. But I want to tell you what we need to pray about more than anything. Wisdom. Yes, we ought to pray for laborers like I preached on. And by the way, I didn't get to the main point of the message. When you're praying for laborers, you ought to pray for yourself. Because God's called you to be a laborer. So everything you pray about these missionaries, emotional problems and, and physical problems and demonic problems, they're in your life too. You need to pray for yourself when you go to pray and say, Lord, protect me. I'll be a casualty in good old Dalton, Georgia, if I'm not careful. And so, folks, wisdom thinks deeper. Thinks deeper. Go, back, go to the last, the last slide, brother. I'm just going to close out this thing. Uh, wisdom sees further, verse 1. It sees eternity. Wisdom thinks deeper. That's verse 2 through 7. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of paradoxes in this. It goes beyond feelings. I mean, and the key is, is the heart made better? I mean, who wants to read a verse like verse 3? Sorrow is better than laughter. So let's all go get it sad. Let's all go get down. Let's all get depressed. It's good for us. No, that's not what that means. That means that when you are going through the valley, be sure you hold on to the lily of the valley and at least see him and see the big picture and see that God's got a plan for your life and it's not for you to get pouty and quit and get temperamental. Folks, he contrasts what feelings, uh, feels better against what makes us better. Yes, laughter feels better. I love to see people smile. One thing about Bob Darry is always making you smile before he punched you in this heart with the gospel. He'd loosen you up a little bit. And I don't think that's okay, as long as it's not too extreme. But a fool's song may be more pleasant, but a wise man rebuke is more useful, verse 6. I, I, this is the way I look at it. You can go to a church right now where nothing is negative said. And I, and I want to say this, this comes through... This comes through experience and, and growth and maturity, I don't think young people ought to get up here and rebuke the whole church. I mean, that ain't their call. They ain't lived long enough to rebuke the whole church. I had one guy, 16 years old, was called on to preach at the tri-state, and he tried to, he had to straighten up all, he straightened out the whole tri-state in 30 minutes. And not one older preacher received it. Because he ain't been there, he ain't done that. He always preaching the word. No, he wasn't preaching the word, he was chasing some rabbits. And I'll tell you, when he shot them, he shot everybody in, in between the rabbits too. But I'll tell you something, folks. It's more useful to have a man's rebuke, but we have to have pleasant words to lead up to that. We need to love people. Speak the truth in love. Amen? That's why a lot of people left the independent movement about 25 years ago because there wasn't much love in it. It was just a bunch of rebuke. It was a bunch of standards. And a bunch of don't do this and don't do that and you can't do this. And folks, I believe in all those don'ts, but I want to tell you something. You better preach you love God while you're doing it. Amen. And they need to know that you love them. 
And folks, you try to rebuke your kids all the time and you have no relationship with them, you're kidding yourself. They won't receive it. They'll pack up and leave. And some of them will do that anyway, even though you love them to death. Because the devil drives them away. The fool's song is pleasant, but it's crackling thorns in the fire. Life is brief, but our window of opportunity affects others for eternity. Our labor is not in vain. Amen? Our conversation is in heaven, Philippians 1, 27. Our labor is not in vain, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And then number two, wisdom uh, thinks deeper, but I want to tell you something. Number three, wisdom waits longer. Look at verse 8 through 12, we'll close with this one. Isn't this a great chapter say amen? This is just interesting to me. I mean, this is so interesting. Because it's against every bit of feelings in my heart. Because I want to feel happy. I don't want to think about death. Everything is con, 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 uh, it's a contrast to uh, the things the world promotes all the time. Feel happy, be happy, be entertained. If it feels good, do it. No, if it's in this book, do it. But look at verse 8. It says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And patient in spirit than better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in the spirit to be angry, for angry resteth in the bosom of fools. If you're angry all the time, you're, the Bible says you're a fool. Don't get so upset about everything. Look at verse 10. Say not thou what is the cause that the former days were better than these, for thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there be profit to them that see the sun. Look at verse 12. For wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense, but the excess of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Wisdom giveth life to them that have it. What's, this, what's these verses saying? Well, first of all, anger is caused by pride. The reason we get angry is because we get offended too easy. And he, Proverbs 13.10 says that all contention comes through pride. Uh, look at Proverbs 14, verse 17. I like to look at Proverbs because this is um, some truth from uh, Solomon also. But Proverbs 14, 17. I'll try to close this out. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 17, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Is hated. So go around with a chip on your shoulder if you want to, but you ought to just have the joy of the Lord and don't... Uh, don't, don't think you just need to escape from reality, but praise God. Think about the blessings of God and realize how long it took you to get spiritual, if you are spiritual. Look at Proverbs 14, 17. 14, 17. The Bible says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Hated. But look at 16, 32. Proverbs 16, 32. The Bible says this, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. I mean, you're a man of God if you don't, if you don't get uh, tilted so easy and offended so easy. And a lady of God. Look at Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28. goes right along with this verse 8. 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down 
and without walls. What's that saying? It takes more wisdom. It takes more wisdom to control your temper than it does just to spill out your guts every time somebody offends you. It takes more wisdom to walk away from a fight and get some prayer on it and wisdom and then come back and try to communicate than it does to scream at each other. And how many families have been raised in screaming matches? They don't make a bit of sense. It's foolish. It, it, it does nothing but make your child a nervous wreck. A quick temper can't, uh, can't be conquered, uh, but folks, listen, we need to acknowledge it's a sin. A quick temper can be conquered by acknowledging it's sin. James 4, 17 says, no do good and do it not is sin. We must take off the old sinful nature. That's the quick temper. We must be filled with the Spirit of God. That's meekness, long-suffering, temperance. We must die to self. There's the key. We're crucified with Christ. And so, folks, listen, if you're easily offended, you need to die to self. We must prepare uh, to the battle of temptation by memorizing and filling our hearts with the Word of God at the moment of despair. You act like the world. The world's philosophy is get even and spout off and hurt somebody and set them in their place. God's philosophy is pray about it, teach them in love, and don't compromise. Wisdom surrenders sooner. Surrenders sooner. Wisdom surrenders sooner. Um, wisdom recognizes God's providence. I, want, I just want to read these verses. We'll get to them next week. But these are powerful verses. I'm at verse 13 now through 15. Verse 13 through 15. You with me? Ecclesiastes 7. Consider the work, listen to this, consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? And that's the fake healers think everybody can get healed. Sometimes it's not God's will for you to be healed. But look at this. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider God also has set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. Verse 15, all things have, have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perish in the righteousness, and there's a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. Now folks, wisdom recognizes God's providence. One seems to be blessed, one's not. One's healthy, one's not. One has no trouble, everything's charmed in his life, and then the other guy, he's just constantly going through junk and stuff and heartache and heartbreak. God puts them together. God, God's wisdom is recognize God's providence and recognize uh, wisdom accepts God's logic when there is no logic. See, wisdom surrenders to God's sovereignty. I hope that word don't bother you. And accepts His control when it's all uncomfortable. We just say, Lord, you're still in control. I don't understand it, can't trace it, don't understand it. Wisdom refuses to contend with God. Shake your fist at God and say, why me, Lord? Wisdom is willing to rest in not knowing. Because knowing that He knows is enough. Knowing that He knows is enough. And there's a lot of times you won't know the answer, but you go crazy trying to find the answer. 
and you try to trace it and figure it out and second guess it and say this happened because of my sin. All that. You don't know why it happened, but I guarantee you God knows. So stop trying to be God. Let God be God. That's wisdom. He's in control even when it's not comfortable. Wisdom refuses to contend with God. Wisdom is willing to rest in knowing that He knows wisdom compels me to cooperate with God rather than contend with Him. I'm not saying be passive, but it makes a complaining heart thankful. Amen? I was, I was raised complaining. I, I was raised insecure in a, you know, in a house of fighting, fussing, and drunk. And folks, I had to battle that. My wife was raised in a complimentary, kissy-kissy, lovey-lovely, huggy-huggy, love-everybody, smiley-smiley family. And I loved, to be, I loved to hang around them. Amen. But that wasn't the way I was raised. I was raised, everybody was for themselves, and everybody complained in one unison, and let's sit at the table and complain to each other. And boy, I want to tell you something, that was a cycle hard to break. What makes compl- uh, a complaining heart thankful? Wisdom. You see God in it. You see God over it. And then you see beyond the clouds and say, hey, listen, eternity, it'll all be explained. I'm not going to fret about it now and try to figure God out. You can't trace God. You must trust Him. How many times have I said that in 40 years? Folks, it makes a contending spirit restful. You ever been around somebody with a contending spirit? I have. And I used to be one. You know, we just got to straighten everybody out. I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to straighten your own house out. Amen? Get the moat out of your own eye before you try to get the popsicle stick out of somebody else's eye. That's Cofield edition. Amen? And folks, I want to tell you something. What makes a complaining heart thankful? What makes a contending heart restful? You don't get so angry easily. It fills a fretting mind with a fresh spirit. Wisdom. What is wisdom? Life's unstable, but God is stable. Life is unpredictable, but God is unchanging. Life is not controlled by me. It is designed for me to be dependent on Him. Wisdom walks through life. You got it. With Jesus. Amen. That makes me smile. I didn't even plan on smiling. Wisdom walks through life with Jesus. Don't we all need that? Folks, sum it up in verse 16 through 18. I ain't got time to get to it. Wisdom lives lighter. You know what it lives lighter about? It's not all about you. And it's not all on you. And folks, listen. You don't overextend yourself, and you don't overexpect yourself, and you don't overestimate yourself. Oh, let's go ahead and read the verses and we'll close. I got two minutes. It says, Be not righteous over much, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself with worry? Be not over much wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? Wow. Look at verse 18. It is good that thou shouldest take hold of this. Yes, also from this withdraw not thy hand. For he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. Wisdom strengtheneth the wise. 
more than uh, ten mighty men which are in the city. What's it saying? Don't overestimate and don't overextend yourself. That's what it's saying. It's not all up to you. Amen? I want to tell you something, friend. I used to be a pressurized Christian. I thought it was all up to me to build this church. I was a nervous wreck. I would have made it ten years until I figured out, hey, listen, all my responsibility is to do my part and preach. Win souls, pray, be a loving pastor, and God can hold it together. I can't hold it together. That was a day of liberation when I discovered that, Brother Randy. God can hold it together. And God can hold your marriage together. And God can hold your children together. But folks, I want to tell you something. You're not doing it, and you can't do it. And I want to say this. You cannot appoint yourself to too much responsibility and presume to be wiser than you really are. He is in control. And if he's in, the, if he's in control, you don't have to be. You just need to let him be. That's wisdom. Following him as Lord is always lighter and more loving than following any other Lord. And there's a bunch of Lords in this world. When we overestimate ourselves, we overload ourselves with expectations and perhaps dependence on what we do and how we can handle it. And wisdom is you can't handle it, Jesus can. He is the sovereign. He is the solution. He and His grace can be who you need. And He don't drive you. He leads you into wisdom. What a blessing. And the byproduct of all that is joy, peace, long-suffering. It's a good life. The thief has come to steal and to kill and to rob you of wisdom. Jesus has come to give you life and life more abundant. I can't think of a greater life than looking at this world through God's eyes and knowing that He can take care of it. He can straighten it out. He can get a hold of a soul that we can't even speak. We, we preach that we're blue in the face and they won't listen, but God can just use one thing. He can break them. He can have a person come to the proverbial end of themselves and they'll fall on their knees and say, God, I can't handle it anymore. I'll tell you something really bad around here. Independent Baptists that are independent of God. We need God. We need to be known as dependent Baptists. We need to depend upon His grace. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for speaking to my heart. I want my moderation to be known to all men. That is governed and controlled by God. It's directed by Your Spirit. Lord, help us as a child of the Heavenly Father, realize that we're never a helpless victim of circumstances. but We're a beloved child of a Heavenly Father who has extended us the power of choice. And that choice is to yield to the Spirit or yield to the flesh. Yield to the wisdom of God or listen to the philosophies of a wicked man. Heavenly Father, thank you for empowering us and calling us to choose wisely and to follow you in wisdom with every head bowed and every eye closed this is the prayer for you and for me how many of us need wisdom would you raise your hand more wisdom
Father, in Jesus' name, give us more grace. Give us more wisdom. Give us more power to be in control, which is meekness. And God, give us your spirit to never wrestle or contend with thee, but to submit to thee with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. Well, thank you. Work in hearts. God, may we leave here with some wisdom from Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Well, thank you in Jesus' name.